0: Hello, and welcome back to the Drunken Transfer episode 8. It's Wednesday night, we're fresh. Off the back of the evening's fixtures, the first weeknight game week of the season, of course. The first game week this season, the first of many, I would imagine, where the threat of squad rotation has loomed large for FPL managers across the land. There's no squad rotation here on the Drunken Transfer, though, because, as ever, you're joined by me, Finn, and the Berkshire boy, making all the noise this week. Joy, joyful noise. (laughs) (laughs) glee. get cocker hoop I'm bouncing off the
1: ceiling I, and I'm on home turf I'm, i mean it got i'll tell you what if, if um if I got more FpL points for for the being in in the home environment of the ding then you know there, there must be some sort of scientific rationale for it also you wish you could sub me out for someone else you <laughs> say, you, you wish you could get on someone else we um, need but, we
0: need the two fins we need Stockton and yeah. Klein, that's what we well,
1: need. On the subject of the other thing, I thought it was really novel. We were just saying before we hit record that I think for the first time this season in our mini league uh, in Sinya in the Membrinia, for the first time this season, three separate captaincy options, some of which came off and some of which came off a little more.
0: Yeah, um, you know, headlines, I guess. Um, I fucked it and the (laughs) gap, the gap between Jacob and I, which at the start of the week uh, was 34. Points. No, twenty nine points. It was thirty four the week before that. The start of the week, it was twenty nine points. It's now just a meager eight. For Erling Haaland, two hat tricks on a trot, and you didn't make the same mistake twice, Jake. This week, you captained him.
1: Just give him the golden boot already. The guy is an yeah. absolute animal. It's like I tweeted it from at Drunken Transfer shout out that like, if you watch him, he's just that he is built to score goals. It must also be like a psychological thing for the opposition because, you know, how do you stop him? I mean, like you say, consecutive hat tricks... You know, it's up to what is it, eight or nine goals to the season already, and we're only just past game week five. It's absolutely astonishing.
0: Yeah, it's about knowing when to to have a minute at the right time. And fair enough, you and three point one million other managers, I think it 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 was did that. Your brother, like we talked about, because the three people in our league had three separate captains, went for Mo Salah. Of the three options that he picked, he was the second most profitable choice. Two assists. I picked Gabriel Jesus because I've wanged on this pod about how rubbish I think the Villa defence is, uh, and he got a goal, but that was it. Rhys James, for you, missed the game week, and Andres Pereira came in, and the Rodrigo transfer for you, who you brought in for Mason Mount last week, is probably the only blemish on your copybook for this week, right?
1: Yeah, ordinarily I'd be really pissed off for the whole Rodrigo thing, but I'm actually quite mellow about it. I'm not, I might well have missed the bandwagon, but, and and the Rodrigo train might well have left the station, but I still think <laughs> it was the right move to make when I did it. Yeah. it's just a sh- And I think I would have been more peed off were it not for the fact that the injuries come in a game week where I've got 80 points
0: from the rest of my team. Uh, in ter- uh, in terms of the other injury, bandwagon, I'm not sure you've seen this um, yet, but Martin Erdegaard's came off injured with 15 minutes to go of the Arsenal-Villa game, uh, holding his ankle, looking in quite a lot of discomfort. So it's going to be interesting to see what Mikel Arteta has to say ahead of next week. I, I think, to be honest with you at the moment, it's looking like he won't start against Manchester United. But it means, basically, I've got I've got Rodrigo now, I need to get out. Uh, I've got God who probably is looking like he's going to have to come out as well. And I've got the issue of... At the moment, doing essentially what you've done with Rodrigo and going, well, now's the time to cut my losses. I've got to get Erling Haaland in the team. He's just scored six goals in in two games.
1: It's like what we were saying right back in episode one. God, that feels like a long time ago now. But um, it's about firefighting and identifying, right, what are my priorities? What are the biggest fires to put out? Who is a nice to have, but not essential for the next game
0: week. Just got to prioritise, man. But then the other quandary that I've got for my team, an asset that we both share, is Andy Robertson. You know, we've both had the mm. Liverpool double up defence now for five weeks. It's not worked. They conceded again against Newcastle. And, you know, I I know Everton aren't in great form, but the, Mer- the Merseyside derby, anything can happen. And Robbo is another area of that team where I go, well, that's probably too much money invested in an asset who's not returning right now. So then we've got four assets potentially that we want to get out. I mean, what's your view on the Liverpool defence? Yeah, so like, you know, you know, when you read
1: those like bullet point lists on Twitter and Reddit before the season, like saying like, you know, here are some like top tips to become a better fancy manager, and one of them is like recognizing your unconscious biases. Like, I didn't think I had a bias towards the double Liverpool defence, and then I was thinking to myself the other day, "Hang on a minute!" Like, I've been on the the double Liverpool fullback wagon for the last like three seasons now, and it's just kind of like how I've built teams, and I've always ha- had an answer for it, and I've always being prepared to defend it and, you know, like I've said to you about how, you know, Robertson and Trent's upsides basically mean that they play more like midfielders and all it takes is, like, a return and then you're looking at a double-digit haul. All of that, all of a sudden, has gone out the window this season because, you know, they're they're not the same proposition when it comes to keeping clean sheets. So, uh, I don't know, but, like, the double... We always end up talking about the double Liverpool defence and, uh, you know, there's arguments both ways, isn't there?
0: Yeah, for, for me, I think it, it it's likely to be curtains. Shall we do a bit of tank your rank? Go on, because I know exactly the sort of way you could tank your rank this week. Tank your rank! Come on, mate, how are you going to tank your rank
1: this week? Um, it's back to City, I'm afraid. Because um, the key to fantasy success and fantasy failure always seems to be in City, right? They are the, constantly the make or break. And um, I've seen, you know what we were saying just a second ago about using Robertson to free up funds? Well, a lot of people were doing a similar sort of thing, but with Cancello, because again, high price tag hasn't been as advanced this season for City, hasn't really put up the same attacking numbers or expected attacking numbers. I saw some stat floating around that he's only at 25% of all of his expected output from this point last season. But saying that, scored an absolute cracker of a goal, tonight and uh, and if you look at his heat map in that game as well he's so much further up the pitch so if you got out Cancelo for this match against Forest you're going to be feeling pig sick and your rank will have been tanked because I'm um, just looking at it now he's ended up on uh, a ripe old 12 points so well done Zhao uh, glad you're still in my team but if you're one of those people who got him out I bet you feeling like a prize plum. How would you tack your rank this week, Finn?
0: Yeah, I think that's... A, 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 I, I cannot believe people have been getting Cancelo out. I think even if his attacking numbers were looking a, a little low on the ground, he just takes so many shots and he, he always wants to pop from outside the box. Well, my tank your rank Uh, is something that I would have done had I remembered to make my two free transfers. Um, So I was looking to get Andy Robertson out. Uh, I didn't want him for the Newcastle game. I didn't think Liverpool were going to keep the clean sheet. And I was right. However, I wanted to invest in a Brighton defensive asset. And the Brighton defensive asset that I was set on investing in was Lewis Dunk. Now, I've seen a lot of people... Uh, also wanting to get a Brighton defensive asset in. And I think a lot of people thought Esther Pinyan would have been a, a decent player to get in because his attacking potential has looked good so far. He gets He's getting really far forward. However, there was the rotation risk with Esther Pinyan. And so everyone was going, well, Lewis Dunk is probably the only real, solid, nailed on guaranteed start of a Brighton. Let's get him in. And I was on that bandwagon. If I'd have done that, I'd have got myself a lovely... Minus two. So I would have been four points down and the transfer would have been completely wasted. So in some crazy mad way, me getting distracted by the game week deadline has probably done me a solid and meant that I haven't tanked my rank when I probably should have done. Shall we have a little look at the fixtures coming up this weekend, Jake?
1: It completely passed me by that the Merseyside derby is the early kickoff this week. So I suppose we better start with that.
0: Everton, I thought, showed a bit more spirit. Anthony Gordon, uh, Frank Lampard has said, he's now staying and he is in form. He scored twice in his last couple of games. I know you're not a big fan of Anthony Gordon. Uh, Neil Mope, of course, couldn't start against Leeds uh, because uh, they couldn't register him on the bank holiday Monday, uh, which meant that Everton were down a striker again. He probably is going to start this weekend, which would give them a focal point.
1: I think what was interesting about Everton's fixture this week is Lampard seemed to change the system, and depending on who you listen to on Twitter, because I follow a few Everton fans, a load of them have already made peace with the fact that they want Lampard out and they don't really give much of a toss at the moment about like tactical systems and whatnot. And others are saying, oh, well, you know, they looked a little better in this game. And I know that Lampard was coming out with more positive noise as a result, but... I mean, Christ! Like, there's still no way I'm going anywhere near Everton. The closest I've come to having a, you know, a serious Everton asset all season was when I briefly had Patterson in my team. Right? He, he
0: missed a big chance against Leeds. He missed a really big chance. We're going back to the same conversation we had last week, I think, a little bit for me, because Luis Diaz is one of the assets that I really want to look at this week. You still think he's a, a little bit of a, a a poison chalice, don't you? Someone who flatters to deceive in terms of goal contributions.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like him. He's entertaining to watch, but I often find those players don't always translate into the best fantasy assets. Like Similar to what you are saying about how Salah always seems to get a return whilst not looking particularly dangerous. I think Diaz is kind of the opposite.
0: He always looks dangerous and doesn't always get a return. Let's go Brentford-Leeds. That's the first in the alphabetical list of three o'clock kickoffs. Rodrigo looking like he's going to be out. Uh, Bamford likely to be back are you considering on your watch list doing a direct swap with Rodrigo for the likes of Jack Harrison, uh, Jack Harrison, Jack Harrison or Brendan Aronson spliced together?
1: Well, uh, Brendan Aronson's got another return, setting up Louis Sinisterra, um, who I am still not down off my high horse about for uh, for him being my roll-the-spice picking Can you believe that the one time I get it spot on with my roll-the-spice We don't put our a yeah. We didn't put out a poll on Twitter, and it's the only time that A. I've picked a player who wasn't even in the starting eleven from the week before. Really like back myself with like stats and and you know styles of play, saying you know Everton are ripe for a sinister a goal. He then returns, and I'm like, great, I'm going to go and gloat about this on our Twitter page, <laughs> and um, <laughs> realize I didn't put up the bloody tweet. I can't believe it. I was absolutely gutted. Going back to 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 Leeds more generally, and I'm kind of now contemplating actually putting my money where my mouth is and a week later than I should have done doing a direct swap from Rodrigo to Sinistera is that completely really
0: bad? getting Sinistera in immediately I mean he he was very good against Everton he was very good but like
1: not just on the basis of all oh, he looked good like he, he had quite a good game in his game against Everton 100% shot accuracy 86% pass accuracy 49 touches 25 passes completed, 15 passes in the final third, four duels won, two take-ons, two possessions won, one foul won and one goal. I mean, he was an absolute thorn in Everton's side. And I know it's Everton, but those numbers are difficult for me to ignore. He looks well up for it. And, and, and I, you were saying on Twitter not long ago that you were looking for the next Rodrigo. yeah. I think Sinistera is the next Rodrigo.
0: Wow, that is that is a bold talk. <laughs> I have to say, I, I also really like what I've seen of him. I think he was a really savvy old Spice pick. Um, I, I don't think it's the worst shout in the world, but it is... Heckin' bold. Brentford's fixture is looking really good again. Um, Tony, he would be one, and he is one, that I am looking at for this weekend to potentially get in. What do you think?
1: Tony is higher up my watch list than I thought he would be at this point in the season. And an entire group of strikers that i would kind of like written off in my head are all of a sudden starting to come to the fore. Not just Tony, but Mitch Mitrovic. Mitrovic, yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, we, we, we're, we've we actually got a question about this that we're going to be answering later Ooh. on in the pod. But, yeah, it's I agree with you. I think Tony against that Leeds defence is a scary proposition and um, it would not surprise me at all to see him pop up with a goal. Yeah,
0: completely agree. Let's go Chelsea-West Ham, the London derby. Um, Chelsea, like you said, they were rubbish against Southampton. They were awful. Tuchel called them soft...
1: Chelsea look across the pitch like a team of players out of position. Yeah, and you know it's square pegs in round holes. But also, like Tuchel, who was getting good reviews by all accounts before this season. All of a sudden, he's been questioned. The likes of Havertz have been on it this season. No, Mounts, you know, quiet by his usual standards. He's not. He's not very flexible, is he? Tactically too, he
0: always sticks to the same system. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I no doubt they'll turn it around at some point. But for the time being, I'm, I'm glad that I've gone down from two Chelsea assets to just the one.
0: Well, yeah, and West Ham had a much better performance against Spurs. Um, Antonio, I think, got man of the match against Tottenham. He's looking like he's starting to bully defenders again. It feels like that slow start of the season—you uh, know—that maybe just a little bit of sluggishness is is starting to wear off now, and they're getting back into their groove. Um, I'm not—I can't call that one. I, I, I think it really could go either way, especially with Chelsea on two straight losses. Yeah, I I agree. I think
1: West Ham. Are going to be well up for this one, um, but um, I can't see clean sheets in that one, honestly.
0: No, me neither. Me neither. Uh, Newcastle Palace, bit of a gut wrenching loss for Newcastle uh, tonight with that Fabio Carvalho 97th minute winner. Did you see there was two minutes of it was yeah. two minutes of added time over, and they were really angry about it on the touchline.
1: Newcastle fans on Twitter were being all conspiratorial and. You know, saying it's a fair. It's a basically like playing until Liverpool score just to keep the league interesting. Do you know what I mean? But it kind of adds shades to me of um, Kevin Friend. Um, refereeing um, Arsenal 7, Reading 5 in 2012 when he had like oh, I
0: think
1: three, you always minutes go. Time, three minutes more out of time than he should have played. And I'm still talking about it 10 years later.
0: So. Always back to 7-5 Arsenal against Reading. Any I see it in my nightmares. I see it in my nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought Newcastle looked good again against Liverpool. Uh, I think it would be quite an entertaining game, Newcastle Palace. I think both sides have, have had quite tight games throughout the season. They have exciting plays. You know, saint Maximan. I think he missed tonight, but he looks really strong if he's he's back for the weekend. You know, he's been in form. And and the same with Palace. I mean, I think Palace probably should have beaten Brentford. You know, Zaha, his goal was phenomenal and he's in such a red-hot vein of form. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a Rodrigo replacement, maybe there's one there.
1: Yeah, he's the other one who's on my watch list. You're you're reading my mind. I don't like it. Maybe I'm predictable. (laughs) Maybe I'm over the hill. I know he has seasons on and seasons off but this is an on season for him and uh, he started like a house on fire. Sort
0: of finishing where he left off Mm. last season. Completely, yeah.
1: Well, that's it. And um, it's funny because the the front line he's operating in it's all like players like Zahar who are at like much earlier stages of their career but Zahar is just like now it's it's his prime you can say and um, definitely firmly, firmly, firmly on my Rodrigo replacement list, yeah.
0: Uh, Forrest Bournemouth, uh, not really a particularly interesting one in fantasy terms. I guess the only thing you'd say is that for those people who have got Nico Williams in the side, it's maybe the first realistic chance to potentially get him in. But you watch Kiefer Moore's gonna pop
1: up at the back post and score a hat trick there you go, things. I, <laughs> I, pre- I pre I preempted you this week. I preempted you. I've brought up Kiefer Moore before you can antagonise me, it? all right?
0: So- <laughs> Ah! Take that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, you've made my day. Um, Scott Parker's out the door. I guess we ought to say, big tick for your predictions, our pre-season predictions. Jacob, you've got a bang on there. That was your first manager out the door, and he was. What's,
1: I think, really interesting for me is the way that, you know, the three promoted teams, all of which I predicted to go down, um, (coughs) they've all approached this season... In, in a way which has either subverted expectations of how we've known those clubs to operate in the past or just, like, done the same thing but in a really different way. And that, like, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, Bournemouth, you've got Parker saying he doesn't have faith in his players and hasn't signed, been able to sign anyone to replace him. You've got Forrest that have signed going on 20 players and are hoping that they gel. And then you've got Fulham, who in the past would have done something similar to what Forrest have done in signing a load of, of new players and hoping they all click. And instead they've, you know, put faith in the likes of Mitrovic, Reed. It's, um They've recruited
0: Savily, definitely. They have.
1: And it's been like quality over quantity. And it's really interesting seeing how the three promoter teams have all gone about trying to achieve the same thing. And with markedly different results at the moment, because I mean,
0: Fulham are looking up the table, not down. And um... well, yeah, I mean, let, let's let's talk Spurs versus Fulham then, actually, because that's that's one of the other three o'clock kickoffs. Um, and and you're right, Fulham on on the other complete flip side to Bournemouth, are, are, are just a bit wow. I mean, their performance against Brighton uh, was they they bullied them. Uh, I, you know, I think if you've got a Tottenham defender for Saturday, you, you have to be a little bit worried because they just seem to be scoring against anyone and everyone. They're not discriminating. <laughs> no, and I
1: i ridiculed and poo-pooed you at the start of the season when it was the first game, wasn't it? And you said, oh, fellow, I'm looking handy here. But they've put in a comparable performance against most other teams they've played. Yeah. They just don't look phased by any of the opposition they're up against. And it's kind of what, I know we both say we hate the phrase, but I'm going to use it again. Mitrovic, by the week, is looking more and more fixture-proof. He is, yeah. because he's, um, in a way... Has it's the closest he's come to transferring that rich vein of championship form that we know he can produce and and carrying it straight across to the Premier League. I mean, he's bullying teams. Like he, it's, a, it's exactly the word that you use and it's spot on, like Fulham bullied Brighton who by all accounts are one of the
0: better top half teams in this league. Spurs were a little unconvincing again against West Ham and I think your shout of getting Son out Uh, is looking less mad by the day.
1: It's purely, purely the money that would worry me because he is a really expensively priced asset in the game this year.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the point I was going to make as well. He's not justifying that 12 million price tag at all. And it's strange really, because he's had such a price hike this season uh, and he's, he's now really not performing. I mean, there was a point tonight where Kane put in a great through ball for him and and he had such acres of space, you know, there was Kulishevsky to his, his uh, right-hand side and there was a centre-back in the middle. I mean, it was a two V one and he headed the ball onwards and it just went straight into mm. Fabianski's arms. And it, it, it really summed up, I think, uh, his his state of play at the moment. Uh, let's go Wolves, Southampton. Uh, again, Wolves were another one I really, really, really wanted to get a Wolves defensive asset this mid-game week if I hadn't missed the deadline. <laughs> I might have gone for Jose Sarr. Mm. Uh it was a apparently, and I'd saw none of this game, but apparently it was a complete dud. Wolves, it like, as far as defensive assets are concerned, you know,
1: I think it would be tempting for me to look at the likes of you know, Sarah and whatnot, would have been a savvier pick for my goalkeeping spot this week than than, uh, Bob Sanchez, who I ended up getting in and um, he produces lowest points tally of the season so far. Here's a fun stat for you, Finn. Five game weeks in, every single game week, my goalkeeper scored one point.
0: No, well, yeah, of course, because you had those four consecutive Danny Ward uh, games, didn't you? Yeah, well, and we'll talk a little bit about the fact that Brighton are actually playing Leicester in a sec, with Southampton, you had Romeo Lavia on your bench. This is the 18-year-old. Great hit. Might be injured.
1: I, um, I got him in purely because he looked to be the most attractive 4.5 option that wasn't Pereira or Harrison Reid. Sure. Um, and, you know, there was never going to be any danger of me starting him. But And in the end, you know, both him and Pereira both got six pointers this week. So I wasn't too down in the mouth about missing out on his points. But it'll be a real shame if he's injured because he's one of the young players in that Southampton side that are just making them tick. And please see Hassan little doing well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, Southampton were on one of the teams that I predicted to go down. But like you say, it, I, you, I mean, it was a, a a poor prediction, really, because Hasnett always seems to get them out of trouble. Villa versus City uh, is another one which is surely going to be, for City, uh, a bit of a mauling. We've talked about how poor Villa's defence is uh, th- throughout the entirety of the season so far. And Haaland <laughs> is unstoppable. And for me, there's not much choice but to get him in. Really, against the very, very weak Villa defence, he's going to make mince meat out of oh, them. Oh,
1: terrible! Absolutely terrible. That's we should just we should just wrap it up here, mate. I might <laughs> go on strike, you know.
0: And um, I thought. Emmy Martinez, uh, after starting well in that Arsenal game, he, I mean, he had a horrible game. The Both goals he should have saved. It's not looking good for, for, for the City game with that sort of performance.
1: I don't know whether it's late in the season to be finally talking about him or not, but Julian Alvarez, I mean, Alvarez, two very good goals, always looks dangerous. You know, he is going to start games. Is he going to start enough for him to be seriously considered, Finn, is the thing.
0: For me, no. I think six and a half for a striker who's not always going to play and who's going to get you less points than a midfielder is probably not worth the investment. He looks great. Uh, I just think in terms of the way that he's priced and the amount of game time he's going to get this year, I would personally not go for him because he, he probably will get you points holes in the games that he plays, but it's probably a little too risky to rely on it'll be interesting to see if he does end up staying in one of those wide forward roles because if you've got Haaland in the side no one's usurping Mm. him and Haaland's one of those players for City realistically he's going to be with them for years to come so we'll we'll Alvarez fall into the same sort of hole that mm. Jesus did with Aguero, where it was like, well, I can't really get any game time here. I am going to have to eventually go elsewhere. But let's go on to the Sunday games. Brighton versus Leicester. We talked a little bit about your one-point keepers that um, <laughs> you've had.
1: It's the one-point keeper derby, this. It's just. Uh, um, I think f- the question f- from this fixture between Brighton and Leicester is... Um, we talked a little about how I might replace Rodrigo with the sensible option in Zaha or the mm-hmm. fruity option in Sinistera. Would you be tempted to get in Pascal Gross against Leicester?
0: So it's interesting. We were talking a little bit about Pascal Gross early a couple of episodes ago, weren't we? To be fair to the people who have got on the train early, he is an attractive asset because he is on set pieces right now and he is in a much more advanced role. He's playing as one of those front three, really. And what with Danny Welbeck... Uh, being a very unselfish centre forward who's laying the ball off. It means that the two um, slightly wider sort of, well, not even that wide, but the two other forwards for Bryson are, are getting in behind quite a lot. And Gross is... Part of that duo at the moment with Leandro Trossard, so I don't think it's the worst shout in the world.
1: I always think he looks quite influential when I watch him. I mean, I find it astonishing that he's the third highest scoring asset in the game still this year. Um, even more astonishing is Mitrovic in fourth. I mean, where's that come from? But but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually think that you know, if we if we're labeling picks, I would say that Gross is probably the boring. Rodrigo replacement. I'd say that Zahara is the sort of sensible and slightly more exciting Rodrigo replacement, and uh, Sinistera is the absolute nuts, balls to the wall, mm. like need your head seen to pick. Which I might end up going
0: with. Well, there, there's your poll, Jake. Ask the people and trust in them to do what they did for me and get you your new Martin Erdegaard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go United-Arsenal on the subject of Martin Odegaard? This is the last fixture of the game week. A little bit difficult to talk about United as it is against Leicester because we haven't seen them before and they are going to be playing tomorrow night when this episode will be released. Odegaard being out could be a big loss if the injury is bad, not just for my fantasy team, but also potentially for Arsenal in general because Arteta's comments on Emil Smith-Rowe, who you would expect would replace Odegaard in the side, uh, indicates that I, I don't think he's particularly happy with uh, Smith-Rowe's consistency at the moment. So it, that might put Arsenal's creativity at a little bit of a log ahead. What would your thoughts be on Arsenal for the weekend against United?
1: I'm just really looking forward to it as a game. Uh, yeah. Basically because I feel like it's interesting for for both teams in, in that you know Arsenal obviously are sitting on five wins from five. But then equally, if you look at the calibre of opponent they've played, they haven't really come up against a quote-unquote big team yet. I mean, whether United can be counted amongst you know that, that bracket is another question or not. For, United are funny because I still haven't, I mean, maybe after the game tomorrow night I'll have a different opinion, but I still haven't really settled on many United assets where I'm like, oh, I'd be getting in them if they can, you know, start turning it around consistently. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, what what United Assets are you thinking of, if any?
0: No, I'm I'm with you. Really, it's I. No one's n- not one player has really stood out. I think yeah, as, as a as a is m- a must for United in terms of uh, the fancy football. I mean, it's strange. Fernandez is someone who has played well the last couple of games, but he is expensive. Um, and if you're looking at the 10 million price point, your old spice pick Raheem Sterling is probably a better option. The one I would earmark is Martial. Uh, because a lot of people look to have him in at the start and then he got injured which means that he's had a couple of price drops I think he's now at something like 6.8 mm. and I would imagine the way that Ten Hag wants to play uh, if Martial can get back to fitness uh, and can start starting for United that he would be a decent option he looked good in pre-season and I think that he always appreciates a manager who has faith in him okay that's It with the games. Let's look a little bit about our game week six plans. You've talked a little bit about replacements that you're going to be looking at for Rodrigo. Uh, I presume that's the only transfer you're going to make. Well, it's funny. I
1: think if you were to do probabilities, I'm maybe 80% likely to do the Rodrigo evacuation this week. And we've, you know, talked about that until we're blue in the face. Another thing on my list of to dos is I need to start thinking about moving on Davinson Sanchez because Romero is going to be back for Spurs soon and um, yes. Sanchez didn't have a brilliant game week in that he he lost a clean sheet and got booked against West Ham to ended up on a one pointer I think in the end but prior to that he'd got two clean sheets in a row so I'm still quite pleased that I got him in when I did for 4.4 million the money I've got in the bank would allow me to get a 5.5 option so yeah that's just another option. I don't think I'm likely to do it because if I did make that move it would basically mean having to play Pereira this week. Um which you know wouldn't be the worst idea in the world but um realistically I think the more impactful move with the higher ceiling would be to bring in a Rodrigo replacement
0: yeah sure and then maybe have the Davinson Sanchez one as something for the Mm -hmm. the game week after potentially the future what do you think I'm thinking of doing because I've mentioned a a few tidbits here and there
1: you've got to be getting in Haaland mate surely if if you're not getting him in for this week I think
0: you're mad well you're right I think I am getting Erling Haaland in uh, but I'm also going to be getting in a replacement for mm. Rodrigo and a replacement for Erdegaard and a replacement for Andy Robertson and a Ooh. replacement for David Raya because I think it's potentially wild card wow. time. Maybe I, I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually thought that you were going to do it before I did. For me, I think it's just a case of uh, if Rodrigo and Erdegaard are out, which it looks like they're going to be, uh, then they they have to come out. Um, Haaland, I have to get in. And yeah, with, with with wanting to get Robbo out, which I would have done if I'd been able to make those transfers and needing to get Rodrigo out, needing to get Erdegaard out and wanting to get Haaland in, eight point hit is just too much. And there are other positions which I kind of feel can be upgraded. I feel like my team did very well for the first three game weeks, but it's probably at a point to move on. I think maybe potentially going back towards the template is a better idea. Um, The headlines from my current wildcard draft is I am on a no-mo Salah.
1: Okay, that is bold because I was going to ask you, were you taking the wildcarding opportunity to do anything a little bit out there? And for me, that is certainly out there because I think a lot of the justification for people not wildcarding as early as you are is that there aren't many changes you would make to that original template from game week one. But going without Salah certainly is a, a notable divergence from the mould. And um, I suppose the,
0: the question is then, who have you got instead? Well, so my rationale is, as is, is though Salah has been popping up with the, a goal contribution, you know, chipping in every game, he's not looking like he's getting huge hauls, And I sort of want to spread that money elsewhere to other players who I feel like are getting the same sort of contributions, thereby maximising the points. So, I've, at the moment, looking at seven transfers, uh, the seven players that will be coming in will be Robert Sanchez, Rhys James, Emerson Royale, Luis Diaz, Raheem Sterling, Bernardo Silva and Erling Haaland. Mm, and they'd okay. be coming out for David Raya, Kyle Walker, Andy Robertson, Mo Salah, Rodrigo, Martin Erdegaard and Harry Kane. Those are the seven.
1: It's, I mean, for me, as as someone who's still, according to Live FPL, at like an 81% template rating, I'm kind of licking my lips listening to that because, don't get me wrong, I think there are some some handy differential picks in there. But for me, I, I just think uh, if the likes of Salah and Cove still start to to return as they're expected in the weeks ahead then I think you you might be uh...
0: I just I just think that for me Diaz looks as good as Salah I want to get Sterling in because I think that he looks like Chelsea's uh, MVP by such a long way Bernardo Silva I think is a much better third city asset than Kyle Walker and he's cheap um and then Holland's Holland's better than Kane. So I, I I I completely understand where you're where you're coming from. I mean, interestingly enough, I think Sterling and Silver are under ten percent ownership, as is Emerson Royale. So whilst James and Holland are back towards the template, it's not so massively at the template, but it feels to me like a a, a, a logical progression for the team. I didn't really want to have to wildcard this soon. I just feel like the injuries have, have pushed me into it. Um, and I, I could I could get Haaland in and take one of Rodrigo or Odegaard out or even take the hit, but I still feel like I would be down for the coming game weeks. And it feels like I've lost you two weeks on the row now. I've lost rank two weeks in a row. I feel like now's the time to make a change.
1: Do you remember last season when there was quite a good spell where you were ahead of me and you mm. know you were you were really talking up your chance and then you used all of your chips in succession? I, like you you used your chips way before I had used my chips and I ended up quite comfortably pipping you at the end. So, you know, has that factored into your thinking at all or you know, it you has. Like, I,
0: I- yeah i I completely agree because you're right. last year my chip strategy was definitely what screwed me. I used my two bench boosts that we were given I think in January and February um, and I used them the at points where games were getting called off. so I'd be making that bench boost and then I would be having players not play and that really really screwed me because then when it came to you uh, with the bench boosts later on in the season where there were double game weeks which I couldn't target for certain teams that's where you really maximized your points and I was left a little bit in the mud um, that's not going to be the same this season we're not going to have those same restrictions with COVID and I'm certainly not thinking that I want to use my bench boost um or my triple captain chip anytime soon whatsoever. Um, and I realise the wild card is early, but it's a wild card still with only eleven game weeks till we've got another wild card.
1: That's true, the the way that this season is structured, if there was ever a time for an early earlier wild card, maybe still not this early. It's probably now because of, you know, how generous FPL Towers have been with giving us those free transfers in the winter. But somebody who will be listening to this podcast and thinking, hey, one of us is um, other Finn, brother Finn, who is uh, the uh, third team in our mini league. And uh, he also wildcarded inexplicably even earlier than you have. So I'm <laughs> still the only one to have not hit the wildcard button. And I'm quite happy to bide my time now that I know that you've played yours.
0: Shall we, Jacob?
1: do a little bit of Roll the Spice. Oh, it's that tongue action again. It's the famous Stockton tongue (laughs) action. Yeah, Roll the Spice. Let's do it. I mean, I'm looking forward to Roll the Spice this week because I would even go as far as saying, after my very successful spicy pick from last season, I've I've probably gone for my spiciest yet this week.
0: Really? That's interesting. I'm going to let you go first because I have a horrible feeling... (laughs) That the pick that I am going for is the one that you're also going for. So I've got a I've got a back I've got a backup in case that is what happens. Oh. So I want you to tell me, Jacob, who is your role spot
1: Listen, he's he's ever prepared like a Boy Scout. He's got a reserve <laughs> bit of spices, but he's got like a reserve bag of of um of cinnamon in his back pocket. Um I doubt you will have gone for this player, but I'll be impressed if you have. You know what I was saying earlier about the Merseyside Derby being, you know, full of passion and unexpected drama. Passion. And, you know, like the, when you love what you do, that is called a passion. Passion. Yeah, thanks. Sponsored by Mikel Arteta. Uh, no, I've, I, right. I can't spin this out any longer. Finn, <laughs> you're going to laugh. I've gone with... Princess Diana. I've, I've gone for Anthony, got an Anthony Gordon. You've gone Anthony Gordon.
0: You have. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, what I love about Roll the Spice is you consistently pick players who you've slagged off. Um, so for you, it really is spicy because you genuinely pick players that you don't. I mean, you said to me the other day about Anthony Gordon, you said, what is he good at? He's mm-hmm. good at nothing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for embarrassing podcast presenters with... Um, you making bold predictions and then you know, that's very bold. Up.
0: Anthony Gordon is bold. What's his ownership rating like?
1: He's currently at 1.8% and costs a measly 5.5 5 million, but he's returned 19 points so far this season. He's second amongst all midfielders in terms of FPL threat, which is okay. um, threat gauging players who are most likely to score goals. Um, so by all accounts, like in the last couple of weeks, you know, he's he's got you know. Two goals in a row, and um, he is the main man in that live in that Everton team at the moment, which is you know astonishing. But I don't know if there was if there's an Everton player to pop up with a goal just to put a cat amongst the pigeons in a Merseyside derby where Liverpool have been shipping a lot of goals. I think that Anthony Gordon is not just a spicy pick for this next week. I think it's possibly one that's going to uh, return double digits. Well,
0: I mean that that is spicy. That is certainly spicy. Anthony Gordon getting a double-digit points haul against Liverpool is that's something to look out for for your weekend. Um, I have gone for someone who's 1.7% ownership, so only 0.1% less than you. Uh, and I have gone for a new signing, uh, and it's spicy because you'd be backing him right out of the gate because he only had his debut. This evening, and oh, hot off the press! Andy scored, and it was against Liverpool. I'm going for seven million, Alexander Isak as yes. my roll the spice pick this week.
1: I was picking my roll the spice option just before we hit record. We had the the video call running, yeah. And I and did you hear me go at one point? Nah, I won't go for him. Is yeah. that is that who no, you're you gonna? I was talking about Alexander Isak yeah I think uh, I, I think that 7 million is exactly what we were talking about before wasn't it when we were saying about Tony and Mitrovic I think he's the third man in that conversation I think he looked really really good his goal tonight was really well taken and um
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's. It, it, I think this one's spicy because you'd be getting on the, the train really early if you were to pick him. There's no guarantee that he is going to start every game considering that he's just getting acclimatised to the Premier League.
1: I think with the money spent, I think they're going to be starting him more often than not.
0: Well, I w- I w- you would expect so. So the fixtures that Newcastle have got their next five, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth, Fulham, Brentford. I think that... Uh, we could he could really really get off to a flying start and with those fixtures, you know there's nothing there that that screams you know a particularly difficult defense to break down Uh, I've also Jake crunched the numbers on our roll the spice picks I said last episode that I was going to tell you how the pair of us are doing and I have quantified it by looking at the five games after we have picked these players. So, for example, our week one picks, Josh De Silva and Anthony Robinson, have now had four game weeks. Well,
1: it's interesting because, to- like, it, I, I know you you love d- doing like these leaderboardy things and, and love you're, it, keep love it. guessing as well because you wouldn't tell me you know, how we did last week. But you back when we established a very loose premise and vague boundaries for Roll the Spice, You didn't ever specify that it would be a long term thing in terms of us picking someone and then monitoring them for the next five weeks but regardless I'm willing to play along but if it reflects badly on me
0: I am going to fall out with you (laughs) fine well no I just think that because when you when you make a pick right you you don't just make it you're not just going to have that player in for those one weeks. I know certainly when I've been picked, I probably should have made this clear. I know when I've been picking it, when I've been thinking about it, I've been looking at their future fixtures as opposed to just the singular game week. Fixture, but you're right, probably something I should have made more clear. It's really tight in terms of our players so far. You have probably had the more consistent picks. Josh De Silva, Raheem Sterling, and Luis Sinisterra, who's only had one of his five games, have managed to get very decent points hauls for you. My one decent pick so far has been Bobby Firmino, and mm, he's it's killed it purely by virtue of Bobby Firmino. That I am. Edging the role, the spice overall points tally by a very tiny margin at the moment. So at the moment, I'm on 47 points and you're on 44 points. So it's a very tight run thing.
1: The the umbrage I'm going to take with this because obviously I am now going to have an argument with you because you know, <laughs> it, how how could I not? But you know what's to stop me from one week just picking Erling Haaland and then like bagging Erling Haaland's points for the next five weeks. Um, Well, I mean, you could do
0: that, but it wouldn't really be in the spirit of the game, would it? Because it wouldn't be a spicy pick.
1: (laughs) But I would argue that on reflection, Bobby Firmino's not as spicy as you established him to be back then. Well, I think Bobby
0: Firmino's quite spicy. You said at the time that all the Liverpool fans have been saying that he's absolute dog water at the moment. Yeah, but I respect the hustle, you know, because he's been written
1: off and he's... Yeah, well, no, but but, but, but
0: I, I would say the least spicy pick so far... Has been Mr. Yoghurt himself, Raheem Sterling. Because I'm personally considering getting Sterling into my fantasy team this week. Like, and I probably would have been considering in week three. So, but it's only
1: as a result of my compelling argument that I put forward for for Mr. <laughs> there. Right?
0: Jake look we've got um, we're, we're, we're nearly done for the episode yeah, we've got one last little feature that we want to go through you put out a little tweet this week asking uh, listeners if we had any questions and we got a
1: couple of responses we do indeed. Um, well, I, I did just say, are there any questions for the mailbag? Uh, this segment, I think we are going to christen the, the drunken postman's mailbag. So uh, question number one from Twitter, my midfield needs a shake-up. Which yeah. player between approximately six million and eight million should I be targeting? Who are the names on our list, then?
0: Well, look, I mean, if you're this person, I presume you've already got Gabriel Martinelli in your team. If you don't, obviously go for him. Uh, the the people that you've been targeting um, is Sinistera, um, potentially from Leeds, uh, to get mm. him into your squad. Uh, you're also potentially looking at Wilfred Zaha, who I think would be a very savvy pick. Uh, the person that I'm at the moment targeting on my wildcard pick, who is between that six and eight million price bracket, is Bernardo Silva. So he would mm. probably be my pick. Uh, If you haven't got three City assets in already, uh, I think since uh, he has committed his future to City uh, and not going to Barcelona, I think he's essentially played every single minute of their campaign. Uh, He's also been played as one of the three forwards, although that does sort of, kind of interchange in, in City's fluid structure but I think that Silva uh, is looking like a real goal threat um, and at 6.9 for a Man City asset who's looking like he's going to start most of the games I think he would be um, he would be my shout.
1: Yeah I think that's really savvy he's one that hasn't really come up whilst we've been talking about the um, the other midfield options this this pub but I think I am gonna come full circle and go back to who we're talking about right at the start and say that I'm my my pickle is most tickled by the prospect of uh, Wilf Zahar. Yeah, and I know yes. he's somehow more expensive than Bernardo is at seven point one, but you know every time he's got minutes this season, he's looked value for return, and uh, I certainly think he's he's the most explosive and informed option in that price bracket for me at the moment. So for me. I think, yeah, you, if you're not targeting Bernardo, potentially on a wild card like Finn's talking about, uh, you can't do much better than Wilf Zaha for me. So question number two, just, you know, bish bash bosh, get it. Get the post delivered, home in time <laughs> for your beans on toast. Um, do we stick with Tony, Ivan Tony that is, or uh, ship him for Mitrovic? <sighs>
0: That's a tough one, Tony or Mitrovic, isn't it? I mean, both are classic wildcard options at the moment. Ah, uh,
1: The interesting thing for me is that, you know, purely by virtue of the template being how it is, you know, as we were saying, you can't really have both because most people are going to have, well, the majority of people in the game have got Jesus and everyone yeah. else has either got one of, Haaland or Kane. So really, Tony and... Mitrovic are fighting for one spot between the two of them. I think for me, I'd still be on Tony just because I think he's playing in the slightly better team, even though Fulham have started well. And uh, I think Tony knows how to unlock a Premier League defence. Whereas, you know, Mitrovic, you know, he's looking fixture proof and he's returning at the moment, fourth highest returning player in the game, as we said. but. I don't know, if you've got Tony, I'd I'd keep the faith.
0: Yeah, I'm completely with you. I, I think that if you've got Tony probably stick with him certainly for this weekend I think him against Leeds is a really really attractive proposition um, and of course Mitrovic's next two fixtures are away to Tottenham and at home to Chelsea although we have said that he does feel pretty fixture proof at the moment uh, if you look at uh, the fantasy football's uh, rank for forwards he's number one on influence number one on threat uh, you know he's number one for forwards in the index so you know he, he, he's been fantastic and I, I think that he will Cause a lot of problems for those two defences. But yeah, if you've got Tony, I'd certainly... Stick with him at least for this weekend and maybe for the one afterwards as well, um, away to Southampton uh, and then maybe look at Mitrovic uh, for those two weekends after. But if you haven't got either right now, uh, I think I am with you, Jake. He, he might not have the fixtures, but then it's that classic dilemma, form over fixtures. And and, and I think Mitrovic is in such red hot f- form. I, I don't see him stopping scoring. I think that'll just about do it for this week, won't it, Finn? Yeah, that is it from us. Uh, that's it on the Drunken Transfer episode eight. Thank you all for listening. Of course, there is going to be uh, one more game tomorrow: Leicester versus Manchester United. We'll talk a little bit about that on our socials at Drunken Transfer on the old Twitter and tweets.
1: Well, the the good news slash bad news, depending on how you look at it, is the next time we record, I'm actually going to be there with you in corporeal bodily form. Back in the flesh, baby. No more of this, you know, Zoom call shenanigans. You know, you, we can actually start throwing punches at each other again.
0: Get on. I'm excited for you to finally overtake me in the FPL standings and gloat to my face. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and we will speak with you, drink with you in a little while. Goodbye. See you later.